Hello, everyone. My name is Danielle Hooks, and I'm the DBSA Young Adult Council co-chair. I'm a person with lived experience with bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder, and I work as a recovery specialist for Allegheny County in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Today, we will talk about physical health and mental wellness and how the two are tightly intertwined in holistic well-being for everyone, but especially those with a mental health condition. Our guests are Dr. Anna Radovic and Lorraine Stanowski. Dr. Radovic is a pediatrician who specializes in taking care of adolescents and young adults at the Division of Adolescent and Young Adult Medicine at Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. She's a principal investigator for the SOVA Project, a confidential, anonymous, and secure social media site monitored by mental health professionals that provides a space for adolescents to learn from and talk to peers with anxiety and depression going through similar difficulties. Lorraine Stanowski is a family support partner for Allegheny Family Network. She's also a person with lived experience and currently helps families with children with mental health and emotional or behavioral concerns. Thank you both so much for joining me. Per a survey of 40 million Blue Cross Blue Shield members, depression, anxiety, and mood disorders have the greatest impact on Americans' health of any condition. People with a mental health condition experience a decreased life expectancy from 10 to 20 years less than people with these concerns, with complications resulting in over 8 million deaths worldwide each year. These result from other illness that could occur at the same time, such as diabetes, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, which has to do with your heart and lungs, and or obesity, just to name a few. Individuals with mental health conditions often have difficulty managing these conditions, whether because of poor diet, lack of exercise, trouble sticking with medications, or problems getting the health care they need. In addition, the stigma surrounding mental health may mean people aren't taken seriously or listened to when they do do try to get help for physical health problems. Sometimes side effects of medications can also contribute to health problems. Research has proven that a healthy diet and moderate physical activity decreases risk of cardiovascular disease, heart conditions, and improves mood, emotional health, cognitive brain function, and self-esteem. Regardless of weight, healthy eating and physical activity helps support feeling better and having more energy. Lastly, individuals with regular sleep patterns have less stress eat less, and perform better in school and at work. It's important to remember that a person's mind and body aren't independent of each other. What's happening with your mood and emotions will manifest in your body and vice versa. Therefore, it's extremely important to maintain both physical and mental health to be well. I know that for me, eating a healthy diet, exercising, and getting adequate sleep are important parts of my wellness. Being mindful of my physical health greatly helps control my mood fluctuations, decrease my depression and anxiety, and helps me manage my stress a lot better. I also know that consistent exercise actually helps your body metabolize medication better, so if you do take medication, like myself, that's a win-win. We're going to talk about how these three areas of physical activity today, nutrition, physical activity, and sleep, and how they are a two-way street with mental wellness. Rain, can you share some of your experiences with us? So I guess we'll start here. Um, I attended a wellness program back in 2013 due to um, me using, having a substance abuse issue. Um, And one of the first things that my counselor said to me was, just start running. Every day, just start running. Um, So I was in this program for about 14 months, and I think the first three months I was just so depressed and so sick that um, I had no interest or motivation to do anything, including exercise or having any 
diet, um, any good diet. So I guess after the, the first three months, um, I finally took her advice, and I that's what I did. I started running, and I started um, I'm just doing, like, body weight exercises, push-ups. Um, I started to find strength and, and just motivation and just my all-over well-being, like, taking care of myself, um, just having even good hygiene through that. So, I mean, that advice just stuck with me, and I continued working working out, running, um, doing cardio, any type of exercise that I could do while in the program is, is what I did. And it really helped me um, oh, gain self-confidence. There we go. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Dr. Radovic, what does physical health and mental illness mean to you? You can talk about your personal experience or um, from the practitioner point of view. Yeah, so um, when I see adolescents in clinic, I see them for really any kind of health problem. We do primary care where we see people for physicals or we also see them for specific problems they might have, including mental health. And I feel like our system and historically has kind of set up physical and mental health to be two separate things. And if you actually think about um, the origins of the kind of theory behind how most doctors today practice medicine, it came from this um, allopathic tradition where you kind of thought of each organ as its own specific thing and, you know, you would try to figure out is this problem coming from the lungs or from the heart or from the muscles or something like that. Um, but practicing medicine, you really see how everything is connected. I mean, you only have one body and you can't really change something in one part of your body without possibly affecting another part of your body. Um, so often in practice, I see people who, you know, have maybe um, a physical health problem, but then that can also affect their mental health or vice versa. They have a mental health problem that can also make their physical health worse. So if you only try to address one of those things, it's, ends up that, you know, the person doesn't really get fully better. Um, so I think, you know, sometimes we kind of have to fight, like, our history and the system to to change how we approach these problems. Um, but a lot of time when I'm seeing somebody, it's, there's multiple things involved. Even if they don't have a mental health problem, they might be really stressed or having trouble dealing with whatever physical health problem that they're having. And, like, one good example is concussion. So I've been seeing a lot of young people who get concussion, and they might have had, you know, like a little problem with their mood before. And then they get some kind of injury from sports or an accident or something like that, and now they have, you know, symptoms of depression or symptoms of anxiety, which have gotten a lot worse. And we kind of talk about how, you know, concussion is a brain problem. So you might get headaches, you might feel nauseous, you might feel dizzy, um, you might feel confused, and you also might have mood issues. And so it's important to take care of all those symptoms. 
your head's connected to the rest of your body, right? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So I've prepared a list of questions for both my participants. Um, and even though they typically address each of you individually, feel free to time, chime in as you see fit to share your experience and work. Um, Dr. Radovic, again, in your blog, you have several posts about the importance of physical and mental health. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the maybe clinical research surrounding the correlation between the two? Sure. So, um, like you're talking about, we have a blog that we're trying to grow a community on, and every day we publish a different blog article, kind of just about uh, positive tips and then also addressing mental health, and it's called sova.pit.edu or sova.pitt.edu. And we do have several topics talking about physical and mental health because it can be really important. Um, so there is a some research showing how the two are related, and specifically in adolescents. Um, so people who adolescents who screen positive for depression, they have almost twice the healthcare costs, including not just because of their mental health, but also because of emergency visits and other like acute visits for things like you know, infections or things like that um, as adolescents who don't have depression. And there are some researchers who've looked at kids who kind of experience more aches and pains and have these, like, unexplained visits, kind of like, oh, I'm having all these different symptoms, but I don't really know what's going on. And often that can be um, associated with having some symptoms of mental illness, too, like depression or anxiety. And then uh, there's some researchers who've looked at kind of what happens when adolescents who have mental illness grow up. And so when they follow them down the line, um, they find that, again, they use more healthcare services. Um, they have increased disability at work because of their physical health. Um, and they rate their, their health kind of lower. Um, another study looked at 10 years down the road, um, people were complaining about a lot about migraine headaches and um, rating their, their health at a lower level. So one really important thing about adolescents in particular is that transition into young young adulthood, and adulthood is really important because sometimes that's a time um, when people might have a hard time getting health care, or in the past they thought, well, I don't need to see the doctor because I'm healthy, and I'm, but that's kind of the time when things can get worse with physical health, um, especially like substance abuse really rises. That's when people start getting signs of pre-diabetes and high blood pressure. So it's really important to see your doctor then, too, especially for things like prevention. That's really great information. Thank you. Um, Rain, what do you feel has been one of the biggest hurdles for you in trying to start and maintain a healthy lifestyle? I think one of my biggest hurdles in starting and maintaining a healthy lifestyle is probably just my my diet um, because with my mental health concerns with, with depression, um, my my diet will fluctuate into not having an appetite at all. 
but whenever I'm struggling with um, my substance abuse issues, like, I'll try to feed into those urges by overeating. So it's, like, really trying to maintain a balance in what's healthy and with um, the physical activity that I'm doing because I have a tendency of, like, um, overworking out and not eating enough or underworking out and eating too much. So it's, like, really just, like, a power struggle with, like, what's the appropriate amount to eat and when is appropriate to eat it. So, that's, yeah, that's definitely the biggest hurdle that I have. And, like, things like junk food are so easily accessible, you know, especially with busy schedules. It's really easy to go through, like, the fast food drive through or, you know, to just ignore some of, like, the calorie content or fat or sugar intake because um, those can really affect mood disorders as well. So it's, I definitely understand your struggle and how difficult that can be. Dr. Radovic, what are some specific foods or vitamins that can contribute to maintaining a healthy mind? Yeah, so – these that that kind of question would fall into um complementary health so thinking about what are like uh supplements or vitamins that you can add to whatever treatment you're doing and it can be tough to find good information out there like if you look on the internet um it might be tough to tell between what's an advertisement versus what's actually good research that's been done and so if this is something you're interested in, I recommend going to the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health, which is part of the federal government, and it's a science organization looking at research specifically in this area. So I'll tell you a little bit about um, what I found when I looked there recently. But one thing, like Rain was saying about diet that's important is um, it can be – I recommend for my patients who have any problems with their mental health specifically not to do certain diets because um, it's not really shown to be that effective in terms of most people regain the weight after they diet anyway. And, like, sometimes the most important thing when you have a mental health problem is to have balance and routine. And so if – you're kind of going from one diet to another, that can be difficult to maintain. And then a lot of people also struggle with body image, especially in young people and adolescents. Um, and so thinking about, you know, how do I feel about my body and wanting to diet because I don't feel good about my body versus, you know, I want to put healthy things in my body because I care about my body that can be a different mindset. And so, like, I think having the right mindset is good when you're thinking about your diet. And um, if there are body image issues, that might be something to, like, work on with, with the therapist so that that doesn't get in the way of staying healthy. Recently, I can't remember the title of this book, but it was about uh, self-compassion with eating. Um, and so kind of going toward a, like, not, you know, eating because of all the – because I want to look better or it's like I'm kind of taking a negative approach, but being more like focusing on the self-compassion and like, okay, I'm trying to have a healthy body, and then how does food help me have a healthy body? So it's important to kind of think about relationship with, with food. Um, but I think in general, like 
keeping hydrated, not overeating or undereating, like you were saying, Rain, and then sometimes eating smaller meals throughout the day so that you're not getting too hungry or not getting too full. That can be hard to do if you're really busy, but sometimes that can help to, like, maybe always have a healthy snack on you. Um, so in some of the studies I found, there was some evidence, like a recent study in medical students looking at omega-3 fatty acids, that that could reduce some inflammation and anxiety levels, but not levels of depression. And there was a review in 2010 that was published basically looking at what's all the research out there, and they showed that there was some evidence, again, to support the use of omega-3 fatty acids, um, but it's more if you're using it with other routine treatments, for example, for depression, so not kind of in place of other treatments. And then some people will try things like St. John's wort to treat depression, which is a supplement. And there have been some studies that it does have an effect, but um, there are other studies that say, you know, that it's, they're not so sure. And sometimes that can be because when you're getting supplements um, from, like, a vitamin store or the grocery store, those supplements are not regulated by the FDA. So you don't always know what you're getting. And so you might buy it one month, and it might have a certain dose, but then the next month it might not have that same dose because it's not, um, like, quality controlled as well. Um, so that's one reason why it can be a little bit tricky. And then another important thing to know is that you should really, if you're thinking about taking St. John's Wort or SAMI, um, which is another over-the-counter medicine, these can interact with other medicines that you're taking, um, meaning like if you take another medicine and it can either have like too high of a dose all of a sudden or too low of a dose. So it's something that's important to tell your doctor that you're taking or talk to them about, like, does this supplement interact with anything that else that I'm taking um, so that you don't have any side effects that you don't want. And then I think that's, yeah, that's mainly what I wanted to say about supplements. Other activity. <laughs> That's a lot to remember, but those yeah. are definitely some great tips for sure. I know I'll be implementing some of those and um, checking out that website you mentioned. That sounds really, really um, important. Um, Lorraine, what are some of the things that you've noticed about the effects of food on your body and mind? I know my personal experience with um, dealing with the, the mental health issues of having anxiety, definitely watching the amount of intake of like caffeine and processed sugars that I put in my body because it'll increase, I guess, increase my anxiety or the way that I feel. So um, I just kind of monitor that intake. I know just like simple things too, like um, like frozen foods and stuff, as weird as it sounds, but like when I eat things like that, it, I guess it just doesn't sit well with me, just processed foods in general. I know I feel a lot better whenever I'm eating, like, cool foods, like things things of the ground, like fruits and vegetables or, you know, even just non-processed natural meat. So, I mean, 
think going natural is definitely more beneficial for myself personally. Um, not that I always do it. Obviously, I just said, like, in the previous comment, that's, that's my struggle. But I have spent time doing different things and implementing more of a natural diet in my life for long periods of time, and my mental health has definitely benefited from it. And that also benefit your physical health as well, so those yeah, kind of would come, <laughs> come into play equally. Um, Dr. Razek, how much physical activity is recommended to maintain, like, optimal physical wellness, or, like, how does that benefit mental health? Um, so there's, like, guidelines just in general for wellness from um, healthy people, which is uh, government kind of goals for having healthier lifestyle. And so um, most people recommend, like, 30 minutes a day, five days a week kind of thing. But in terms of specifically for mental health, um, there is some evidence showing that exercise can help reduce symptoms of depression um, compared with not having treatment or compared with other things like relaxation. But there haven't really been a lot of high-quality studies to really – tease that out. So, for example, sometimes people can be biased by getting a specific kind of intervention. Um, and so you can't really, like, tell someone, oh, you're not getting the exercise intervention. Like, they know that they're exercising. So there's some bias, like, maybe they kind of think they're, that they're getting better because of the exercise. But um, so the research shows there there could be somewhat of an effect. But I think when you think about implementing things in your own life, like Rain was saying, you can kind of look at yourself like, okay, let me try this out. Does it help me? And when I talk to patients, we kind of talk about risks and benefits. So if there's not like a lot of risk of doing something like exercising besides, you know, making sure you're stretching and not injuring yourself, but there's benefit, then, you know, that might be a good idea. But just again, like to think about people who have, issues with body image, not over-exercising, that that can be a problem for some people. And the benefits of exercise overall can also help with getting better sleep, but it's important not to exercise right before bed, because sometimes that can actually make you, like, more energetic. Um, But it can help you with having more energy for the day, uh, and then helping with things like improving blood pressure and blood sugar. So overall for health, and one of my favorite studies they did in Europe was this dance training program. So they had university students, and some of them got this dance training um, where they had it Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for 12 weeks. And the people who had the dance training program actually had reduced symptoms of depression. And some of that, you know, maybe that's like the community building and the music and the exercise together. But it's just nice to know, like, to find things that you, like, experiment with different things that um, make you feel better. And maybe sometimes, like, even if you journal or something or kind of keep track, like, okay, I tried this out and it did help or I tried this out and it didn't help, um, that can sometimes help you figure out, like, what the best routine is for you. 
I like how I mentioned that it, it is different for everyone because that's important to remember. Like, what works for me might not work for you um, and the other way around. And also, they, you mentioned, um, like, the part about being active in the community um, and integrating that into, like, your physical health and mental wellness and things like that is definitely one of the important components. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really glad that you mentioned that. I know, Lorraine, you kind of mentioned this before, um, but what role does physical activity play in your wellness? Um, I think it's a huge contributing factor in, in keeping myself, like, okay, we're sane, and keeping myself sane. Um, I know, personally, like, if if I'm not working out or if I'm not maintaining, like, a more healthy um, lifestyle, uh, a lot of my mental health, concerns are definitely increased. Um, I'll go through more times of feeling depressed. My anxiety will be heightened and, um, and, and people around me are affected and they know that I'm not in a routine that, that's positive. So I think the um, physical activity definitely keeps me positive. And like you were saying, I also use it as, like, a community thing. Like, I'll go to the gym or I'll find a workout partner, and that definitely helps um, keep me in a positive mindset. Um, But as Dr. Adovic was saying, there are times when I have allowed myself to be consumed with working out, which also has a negative effect on my mental health. So, I mean, like, everything in my life I just try to keep at a balance. So, as long as I'm, like, doing that, I think it's completely a positive effect on my wellness. That's great. Um, the last thing we're going to talk about is um, about sleep. And I've heard that, like, sleep is a biomarker of good overall health. So, like, sleep is a way to kind of figure out if you are physical and mentally healthy. Um, Dr. Radvik, why is sleep so important? Yeah, so um, – there is a lot of talk about sleep problems recently, and um, there's researchers who are trying to understand more and more about sleep. But what's really important is to know that sleep is basically essential for survival. So there's animals who don't sleep will die, and it's not just resting. It's actually there's brain changes that happen And the quality of sleep is also really important. So, like, the quality of sleep and the amount of sleep. If you were just laying in bed but someone was waking you up every 15 minutes, you're not going to get the benefits that you would of regular sleep. And especially for adolescents, it seems to be a really important time when the brain is maturing and growing. Um, So there are a lot of really important reasons to get good sleep. And some of the um, relationship with mood can be that um, for people who are not getting enough sleep can have, you know, problems with, like, mental lapses, especially if they're driving. Um, They can feel really tired, and that can help make them have problems with working toward goals. And then it can affect feeling irritable, having a low tolerance, for frustration, 
um, or feeling kind of impulsive or sad. And then sometimes if you have mood problems, that can make you have problems with sleeping. So especially if you're, you know, really anxious or um, there are certain behavior problems going on, like sometimes, you know, problems in the family, there could be like arguing or fighting kind of going on later at night or if someone lives in a bad environment. Also, people who have suffered from trauma can have nightmares or be kind of have something called hyperarousal where they're like, you know, have a lot of fear, like something bad is going to happen. And that can make it difficult to fall asleep. And it can be hard to figure out what's the cause and what's the effect. So if you have bad emotional problems, that can make you have trouble with sleep. If you had bad sleep problems, that can make you have trouble with your emotions. And so that's kind of one really good example why um, it's important to treat the physical problem and the mental health problem at the same time. Um, so some things I talk to people about, especially young people, is the importance of sleep hygiene, like having a good um, sleep environment, so making sure that, you know, you're not using your phone late at night or having lights on or having sound, making sure your bed is just for sleeping. And then some things like some of the newer smartphones have are bedtime schedule reminding you, like, okay, go to sleep at this time, wake up at the same time. That can actually help a lot of young people will stay up late in the weekend and then get up really late in the morning, and that can really mess with your um, sleep schedule. So it's something that's actually hugely important to um, think about. So it sounds like consistency is definitely one of the keys, regardless mm -hmm. of whether it's um, nutrition or exercise or mm -hmm. especially sleep. Yeah, that having that stability plays a big role. Yeah. Um, Lorraine, what what do you feel about how sleep has affected your mental health? Sleep definitely plays a major role in my mental health. Um, I do struggle with sleeping, like Dr. Radovic was talking about. Like, people with trauma have a tendency of um, having issues with sleeping. And I personally have, like, night terrors and stuff which causes it to be difficult to sleep. Um, but as they were saying as well, like, there's, there are things that I've implemented in my own life to, to help me sleep, um, some of them being not having the TV on, keeping a room dark, and um, putting my phone away at a certain time. Um, and also, I, I do use a supplement for sleeping, um, it's a herbal tea, chamomile tea, and it definitely helps me. But there are times when when none of those things that I implement do help, and I do go long periods of time without having a good night's sleep. And, and there are side effects to that, such as irritability and not being able to focus. And, and those issues um, – cause my mental health concerns to also increase. So it definitely, like, um, plays a major role in just trying to keep that consistency with the schedule and going to sleep at the proper time and waking up at the proper time and um, trying to maintain a good sleep schedule. All right. Well, we're just about finished. Do you, either of you have anything else you want to share as we wrap this up? 
Yeah, just I, I think like um, I think it's important for for people not to get too frustrated with all of this because it's basically like a lifelong thing thinking about your wellness. And one of like the most difficult things, even for me thinking about my own, you know, habits is changing them. And so not being overly critical of yourself, um, like blaming yourself, oh my God, I didn't get enough sleep again, or I drank coffee late in the day, or I had this huge meal and now my stomach hurts and that's all my fault. You know, those kinds of things can just make it worse. So having a lot of um, self-compassion for yourself and like understanding, realizing that other people are going through similar struggles, especially in, you know, today's environment, it can be hard and even like it can be expensive to get some of those healthy foods. So, you know, we all have to take shortcuts or deal with things and sometimes we can't always make the most healthy options. But I think as long as you're um, trying your best and then also like reflecting on how things affect you. So someone might tell you, oh, my gosh, this thing worked totally well for me, or you should do this spinning class, like I love spinning, or whatever they do, um, you know, that might work for them, and you you can try it. But also, the most important is to keep track of yourself. So I really find that, like, journaling or kind of reflecting, even, for example, with sleep, like, it's really important to keep a sleep diary. But there are even some apps now that will help you see, like, how much are you actually sleeping or if you have migraine headaches, like or belly pain, kind of keep track and like which foods seem to bother you, or um, is there a certain thing that is the trigger for your headache? And so that then you can make like little changes, little by little, on all of those things over time. Those are the things that really lead to lasting change. But if you're like, oh my gosh, I have to do a diet today, or I'm starting this exercise program like right this minute. Usually you won't be successful because it's just not real life. It's not reasonable. So just be good to yourself and stick with something. <laughs> I think knowing, too, that it's not going to be, like, straight uphill. Like, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to always, you know, it's not going to be easy and that there are will be ups and downs. But giving yourself some grace and even sometimes lowering your expectations or giving yourself, like, a little space and time to kind of input those in your life. Um, that's important. Yeah, I agree with everything you both said. Um, but I would also add, like, just uh, be open-minded, too. Um, try new things. You never know what could work for you. Obviously, like, if, if you sometimes may want to consult a professional before you implement certain things in your life, but uh, be open-minded. Keep an open mind. That's definitely a great idea. Well, thank you both for your time and um, willingness to share with us. It's been great hearing your experiences, and I hope our listeners have learned about men, uh, physical health and mental wellness and have been inspired to continue in their own wellness with holistic well-being in mind. Um, like Dr. Radovic said, remember to start with small goals, and every little change matters. So thank you all for listening, and we wish you the best in health and wellness.